So, um, I thought uh, this morning uh, in this Bible hour that we can spend some time looking at something that's very vital uh, to a Christian life. Very vital. One of the most important things in life, of a Christian life. There's a lot to say about it, and I have more to say about it, but I can't say it all because I have to stop at some point. Um, but we'll see how much we can cover. It's the idea, the issue of prayer. Just having my time with me here, so I see I don't get over. Uh, so it's the issue of prayer. Well, when we talk about prayer, if I might throw out there, what is prayer? I'm asking a question. This is not rhetorical. What is prayer? <laughs> I'm not preaching now. <laughs> We're engaging. What is prayer? I think we're prayer. Yes. Okay, speaking to God, okay? What else? What else do you know about prayer? Thanking God. Thanking God, yes. That's all part of it. We're going to look into that uh, in a minute. Um, uh, anyway, we have more questions for you, so don't think you're done. And if you're keeping quiet, but we're going to look at it. Yeah, so this aspect of the prayer is the uh, co communicating, speaking with God. Um, well, that begs the question, who is supposed to pray? Who is supposed to pray? Um, by that I mean like anybody can pray, non-believers and unbelievers, but who is it that when you pray, the Father himself, God, listens to their prayer? We're going to look at that. And then also, then we're going to look at why should that particular person pray? Why should that individual pray? Uh, and why is it that his prayer is answered? Or God pays attention to their prayer. So we're going to look at that. Those are the two thing, questions we're going to try to answer. And then we're going to look at how should we pray? How should we pray? So first, let's look at who should be praying. Uh, who should be praying? First John chapter one, verse fourteen. Uh, not verse fourteen. Uh, I will start from verse nine. It says, "The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him." Yet the world did not know him. So the world could not recognize him. He came to his own. Now going more specific. Yes. Oh, John. John. Not first John, but John 1. Uh, John 1. Thanks for asking that. John 1. Let's make sure we're all there. John 1. John 1. And I was just reading from verse 9. Uh, John 1. 
I think, I feel like John is one of the books that should be easy to find because then the gospel, uh, there are books that can be hard to find <laughs> because the pages are glued that never go mostly to the side. Um, anyway, so John, I was, I'll start reading one again. Uh, verse 9, it says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. So look at this kind of perspective. So he was in the world because the world was created by him or through him. And you know? also he created this world. Interesting. Um, the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Did not know their creator. The world that who created brought that world into existence did not know him. He came to his own, now it's going very pretty much specific narrow, to his own, which are the Israelites, so that's where he was from. We see he even followed some of the uh, rituals that the Israel did. So uh, to just give you a perspective, these were his own people. So he came to his own, and his own people, oh, more specific now, his own people, uh, did not receive him. The idea there is that they did not take him. They did not take him. He came to them. They did not take him. It's kind of ironic because they had been expecting for the Messiah. And when the Messiah, whom they've been waiting for years and years, when you look at the history of Israel, um, going through all the time, a lot going through the king's time, you know, um, then there's a wicked king. They're like, no, that, that can't be him. Hezekiah comes in. Oh, yeah, because he's Russia's king. No, Josiah comes in. That must be him. That must. Oh, no, he dies. Or he finds himself in a wicked situation. So they're down. So they were looking for him. He came to them, but they could not take him. So did not receive, but to all, and basically the... Uh, Literally, there it says, as many as, uh, but as many as receive him, those who receive him, what did he do? Who believe, uh, receive him, uh, who believed in his them, he gave the right. Uh, and I think well, the the word order there is pretty interesting because here it puts at the end, but there in uh, Greek New Testament it says, "But to as many uh, who receive him, he gave the right to become children of God, who believed in his name." So that's the order. So. The emphasis is there that giving them the right. Now, when we think about the right, let's forget about the rights that the world secular is promoting today because that's not the idea. But the idea is they have that privilege now. Uh, they have the privilege to be the, uh, the children of God. It says, who were born not of blood, no will of man, or no will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but 
of God. And I think in the Greek it adds something there. Basically, becoming apparent to them. So you see the idea. These children were outcasts, were not his. But he himself declared them, made them his children. Now they have a full access. They are his children. So with that, what makes those children? It gives them the ability to have access to the Father. That's what the right has given them. They can come to the Father. They can speak to the Father. There's, uh, let's look at, uh, let's see, Romans 8.26. Romans 8, it just adds something to that. It adds something to that. 8.26, Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps, um, I don't know, I don't need that one. Uh, 12 uh, 15 Romans eight fifteen. but you did not receive the spirit of slavery and we sang something regarding fear we are not to fear because we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fear uh, that, that, that was the spirit of fear we had uh, the spirit of fear that every non-believer has. Uh, but we did not receive that. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Basically as children. By whom we cry Abba, Father. The word there, Abba, um, it, it, it's, it's not... The word that is used it mostly for God is rarely used for God. But it's a word that basically it was used for families to speak to kids speaking to their fathers, to their it's like daddy, that's the same kind of aspect. And Paul uses that very carefully here in showing the endearment that's happening between these children. That belong to God. You know, it's, hey, most of us have kids. They know their dads. They know their mom. They know their parents. They know their parents. And guess what? They can speak anything to their parents. And it doesn't matter. You heard one screaming, ha, 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 something. But there's a lot of people. If you're not that, you can't do that because you're worried about people. What would they think of me? But kids don't care about what people are thinking of them. They, they just know this is my mom, this is my dad. Um, so they were just because of that endearment that's there. I'm saying this, this is very critical because what is one of the most stumbling things? Let me just, just throw what, what are some of the stumbling blocks to prayer? What makes people... Um, uh, what makes it hard for people to pray? Especially, let's say, in, in a group setting. What makes it hard for you to pray? Yes. Fear of man. Fear of man. 
you know, um, everybody's going to be listening to this prayer. And my prayer is not like so-so. Man, I, I can't articulate the way that guy does or that pastor do or that elder or deacon does. And so I'm going to just keep quiet. I can't pray. The fear of man. The problem, what's the problem with that? With what just we wrote here? What's the problem of fear of man when it comes to prayer? Sorry? Yes, not honoring to God, but what else? We should fear God, not man. Yeah, but what else? That's exactly. We're not speaking to those around us. We're speaking to God. And so as a father who goes to his daughter, doesn't care the crowd, whoever's looking, just comes in, God, I want this. Can you see? Sometimes they have to interrupt. You know, you're talking to some of the kids who come in and start talking. So you have to tell them, hang on, I'm talking something. Because they don't care about whoever's around. They don't care. This is my dad. This is my mom. I can speak to them. So this is the endearment that we see that uh, the children of God have with their father. There's a question you know, this also comes into something else here. We talked about God's sovereign will, so he plans everything and he does everything. What that means is that when you pray to him, he knows your prayer. He knows what you need. I mean, we've heard the Bible says that. So, since God knows everything, knows what you need. Why do we pray? Because some people just think, okay, you know what? He knows everything. I don't need to pray. Why should I pray? Yes. It's a oh, it's a command. Okay, that's great. We are commanded to pray. Yes. Exactly, Philippians uh, is that full. Uh, talks about that. Exactly. But what else? Demonstrate dependence. That we talked about. Anything else? Yes. Exactly. Great. All those are really helpful answers to see. But just in light of what we just said, uh, we just uh, looked at here. There's something even also. Because we have relationship with God. God wants to hear from you. So it doesn't matter whether he knows what you need. But, but there's this sense that he just wants to hear you. That's why he commands, speak to me. Speak to me. Because I am your father. So I don't need to worry whether he knows or not because he's my dad. I'm just going to talk to him. I've got to talk to him. Yes, that's the other one. Yeah, so it's like all of that you pray to the one who's the only one to supply our needs and our prayers. And he's the source of all that we are on the last. Because he knows the way. Exactly, exactly. But there's that relationship that exists 
that makes me to want to speak to my father that makes the father want to hear from you there is a connection it's a just beautiful thing it's it's a relation thing a relationship thing it's not just uh, coming in to get what I want it's a relation of wanting to be with my father I want to be with my father I think we see that example a lot with Jesus himself I want to be with my father sometimes he shuts even the closest disciples he says okay guys long time with my father just want to spend some time with the father that's why prayer becomes a life it's not an activity uh, it's not something that you have to just check I've done this, I've done this, done or I attended prayer meeting or it's not, it's life uh, we can't live and survive without prayer that's just part of our life now who should pray is a believer that person who has the spirit of God in them because that's the chapter 8 we talked about yesterday a little bit. Chapter 8 is speaking about who are the truly saved people. Those who have the spirit of God in them. And here we see that that's the people that have a relationship. God has adopted, as I said, John chapter 1 verse 12 that we just read there. It's talking about this adoption, this, this right, legal aspect of now you belong to him and then you have uh, Paul reinforcing in 8 chapter 8 verse 12 so believers are the ones who are supposed to pray to God because that's the that's the prayer he's going to listen because there's something else you want to know about it why God listen to a prayer of a believer we're going to look at it right now. Chapter 8, Sam, chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So there's something we have to know about our prayers that it's telling us. What, what, what is it that we need to know about our prayer according to this verse here? What is it is the scripture saying about our prayers? They're what? Okay. The what? Super prayer helps us? I'm asking what is it that uh, we should know about our prayer uh, just by looking at this verse? It's not perfect. Good. So in other words, our prayer is always short. <laughs> we do not pray a perfect prayer. Uh, we are weak. That's, that's, it's, that's that. It says uh, very carefully it says likewise the spirit helps us in our weaknesses okay number one we are weak why are we weak 
we are ignorant of what we should be praying. Why are we ignorant what we should be praying? Because we do not know the will of God. We do not know the will of God. I'm talking about the sovereign will of God. We do not know. For instance, if somebody is sick, in our weakness, we will pray that that person should be healed. We do not know the will of God. So we will pray, this person needs to be healed. But then, unfortunately, that person dies. So we get discouraged. We are weak. Death was the will of God for that person. But we do not know that. How many times we've prayed, you know, oh, I've interviewed that job, I'm praying for that job, and I want to get that job, you know. And that's, that's where our prayer is directed. i got to get that, because I need it. It's going to help me. I'm desperately, I need that job. I don't think anybody in this room needs that job desperate as I do. <laughs> Guess what happens? We don't get it. Because why? We weren't praying according to the will of God. We were praying according to our own will. And guess what happens when that happens is that next time you apply for something and get something and then realize you look back. I'm so glad they didn't get me that because I wouldn't have gotten this one. Our prayers are weak. So why does God listen to our prayer? Ah, it says here, the Spirit. The Spirit, what He does is He takes our prayers and looks at our prayer and He configures them to according to the will of God. And we don't even know. And that's why God looks at the will of God. Oh, this is the will of God. Okay, well, I'm going to follow that, which means no to that will of man that we were praying for. I think it's so comforting to know that. I mean, we're busy praying. I'm going to pray as we pray. But understand that. Okay, so here's the other thing. Because the Bible says, if you pray with faith, if you pray, you've got to pray with faith. Um, that he will do it or he will answer it. What does that mean then? Because we have to pray with faith. What does that mean, praying with faith? Yes. Yes, okay, that's a good answer right there. So, but that's not how we pray with faith. Uh, we pray. Faith in what we are praying for. We pray putting faith in our need. So the way we look at it is that I want that job. I want that person to get healed. And our faith is going to be established if that person gets healed, if I get that job. That's how we think of faith. And I think that's where there's confusion when people say, but I, I prayed with faith. 
Oh, they get confused. So if we're praying, what I mean, praying for the will of God, then so wait, somebody asks, is like, so then what, what does it mean then? He said, we should pray with faith. Because I'm thinking that if I'm praying with faith, I believe that he's going to give me that. That's the faith. Now, your prayer is weak. And you don't want God to answer according to your will. You're not going to like it. <laughs> You're not going to like it. You need the Spirit to help you because the Spirit was going to give you, bring your prayer to well, according to the will of God, which is what you need. And that's where trust is. If we go to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. I think we'll try our best to see if we can get some of this. So this is uh, the section where we have uh, uh, it's a Sermon on the Mount, a long sermon. If you think somebody has preached a long sermon here, I don't think you've had one. This is long. Uh, people are out to see it and need food and need everything. You know, it's like one sermon. <laughs> <laughs> See now, this was a long one. You know, look at the different topics he covered. This is like a a, a conference, long conference. But you just go bathroom, come back. You just go eat something, come back. The guy just keeps talking. <laughs> anyway, one of the things that's covered in this uh, sermon is uh, the issue of prayer. And uh, I'm just going to quickly go to uh, verse 7. And he's talking here. He says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need. Okay, that's another thing. So, God knows what you need. So he already knows what you need. So when the Spirit is praying, he hears, he takes your prayer, knowing, knowing the needs that that particular person has or that needs to be attended. What does he do? Yeah, so the Spirit takes that and brings to the Father according because it's lined up to, He lines up your prayer with God's will in that perspective. So knows what you need before you even ask. So it's like, why bother then? Why bother ask? But he says, pray then like this, not like the Gentiles, not like the Pharisees, as he's already mentioned. Uh, before that. Not like the Pharisees, not like the Gentiles, but pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us in from evil. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I remember a while, uh, I was not even a believer then. Uh, we were at this place, you know, the, 
they asked this guy to pray for food. And he launched straight into this Lord's Prayer. I mean, we're praying for food. Our oh, Father who art in the heaven, our Lord be your name. I'm like looking around, I remember, it's like, are, are we still praying for the food? And we know many people, uh, many churches use this as a prayer, but this is a template. Uh, he's teaching them how to pray. Now, when you look at this, just from the outset, what comes first? The what? The, the what? Praising God. So God becomes first. God comes first. And uh, what that means is that prayer is not about your needs. Prayer is about God. The Pharisees, the Gentiles, prayers was about me. What do I want? What do I need? And uh, people look at me, look at my prayer. I know how it was about me. But Jesus says, don't be like them. Because prayer is about God. It's not about your needs. The focus is not your need. The focus is God. That's why it connects with what we talked about. It's about relationship. It's a, it's a relationship thing that whether my needs that I think needs made are met or not, guess what? I want to spend time with my father and acknowledge him who he is. How Lord be your name. How Lord be your name. So praise. I, I, that's why I say like, the songs we were singing, those were prayers. So prayer is about God. The focus should be God. And with just a short time, we're going to skip some things in. Let's go to uh, some prayers of Paul here. So uh, maybe it can help us to see... We'll look at two. We can't look. Yeah, we just look at two. First, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Let's look at Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. It says, For this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I did not cease to give thanks to you, uh, for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope of which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at the right and at right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay. Oh, a very mouthful prayer right there. Less full stops. What, when you read that prayer, what comes out about Paul's prayer? What do you learn about Paul's prayer here? What lessons do you draw from this prayer of Paul? What is his focus in his prayer? If you read it, you can read it through, you see. What is it that comes out in his prayer? What's his focus? Christ. Christ is focus. What else do we learn about this prayer? Yeah. Praying for others. Yes. What else? Anything else? The gospel is in there. Anything? Yes. Giving thanks. That's great. Yes. The what? Exactly, exactly. And it is very clear that his prayer here. Oh, before we get there, let's get to the other one. Let's get to the other one. That'll be, that'll be our last one. Uh, let's see if I can find it. If you go to Philippians. If you go to Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to read for us there too as well. Okay, Philippians chapter 1. Okay, verse 3, it says, okay, verse 2, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent 
and shall be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, what do we learn about his prayer right here? What do we learn about his prayer here? Sorry? Yeah, you can say it loud. You're right. It's giving thanks. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's right. What else? Okay, it's focused to the Philippians church, praying for the brethren in the Philippian church. It's giving glory to God. Great. Yes. He's praying with faith. Now, keep in mind, where is he at this moment? What is his environment? The prison. Who has fun in prison? Who enjoys prison? <laughs> now, Paul is lonely. His desire and his heart would be to be with the church. You will see in his, in his epistle, he will write about that. But in the most painful anguish environment, guess how he prays with joy. With joy. Now, here's the thing. With the previous prayer we see in Ephesians and the prayer here, it is spiritually focused. He focuses on the spiritual status of the people he's praying. Well, these people might have some physical needs, and it's not wrong to pray for them, but that's not his priority. He wants them to grow spiritually. So his prayer is all about their spiritual status. And there's something else you will learn about his prayer here too as well. And that is critical in terms of prayer. You know, prayer, if it's God-centered, it changes your perspective of your circumstances. See, when we are praying normally, we are focusing on our circumstances, our environment. And that sometimes drives us how we respond, how we react. Like, say, for instance... If you've lost a job, if your business is going down, if you hear somebody, your beloved, is not doing well, especially when you hear they have cancer, that they may leave for like two, three months, whatever it is, that's your circumstances. What happens most of the time, we focus on that. And the more we think, the more the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more problem gets bigger, God kind of vanishes in our mind. Until we go back to engage with God himself, then our circumstances changes. Our perspective of our circumstances changes. And that's what happens with Paul. Paul is not in a happy land here. Um, he's He's not, he struggled. I mean, 
He struggled being in the place where he's isolated from the people he loved, from the ministry he enjoyed to do. But he had to change his perspective. You know, most of us, if we were in prison, we would be praying every night, get me out here, get me out of here, get me out of here. But Paul looks at that is that, wow, there's something that's happening here. It's not about me. The gospel is being proclaimed where I am. Oh, now I see, I'm looking at life from God's lens, from God's perspective. It changes about what's happening to you. That's why you see believers were willing to die, to be torched, to be persecuted, because they stopped looking things from their uh, mind's perspective, but from God's perspective, to realize, if I die today, I'll burn today, you know what? I'm leading up the fire of the gospel. That's what's important. But how did he get there? Because of the spirit that's in him has helped him in terms of looking things from God's perspective. That's why we ought to pray. And, uh, you, whenever you find yourself in a situation where things are hard, you're stressed out, please pray. It will change you and it will change how you respond, how you react to your environment. And Paul gives us that beautiful Example here, as we looked at his prayer. There are so many prayer that we could have looked at, but because of our time, we're going to stop there. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for just the privilege we have uh, to be your sons, to be your children. And that comes with such a, an amazing uh, privilege, an amazing access to you. The veil is torn. We don't need to go through another man, but only one man, the mediator of man and God, who is Christ, the man Christ himself, so that he has opened that door. And we can come to you, as the Hebrew 4 says, boldly, not in our confidence, not in ourselves, but boldness, because we know we have the spirit in us that can draw us to you. And that when we speak, the Spirit helps us to translate our prayer so that they come to you according to your will. What a privilege that we have as sons of God. That's why we are different from non-believers. That's why we pray for them, we beg for them, because we want them to benefit the same privilege that can only come through your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank okay. you.